Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, December the 23rd, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm here with Bob Ryer. We're still in the same room we were the other day. We haven't even left. We haven't left. No one's even heard those podcasts yet. <laughs> oh, time travel. Uh, time travel. Uh, yeah, b- uh, me, Bob, Steve, Stephanie, Mara, and Joey uh, slept for about five hours on Sunday and, and did our end of the year deliberations. So you'll be hearing that next week, uh, all week, basically, uh, into, into the next week. So, um, and then we'll come back after that and, and do our, uh, our, our end of the year, um, award show like 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 we always do um but this is going to be a little bit of a, this like we always said last week was the last regular podcast and this is not going to be a regular podcast obviously it's just bob and i so that's yeah. one part of it um a little fireside little fireside chat uh and, and we're going to be doing some you know a little bit uh, non-conventional things uh bob has a little bit of a a history of, of patsy walker uh the hellcat who obviously the new series uh from uh kate leth is premiering uh this week so We'll give you a little primer uh, for, for that, and uh, a little movie opened uh, uh, on on Friday uh, called Star Wars: The Force Awakens, and we're going to uh, review that a little bit for you guys. Bob and I will just chat about it. Um, so little it broke every record imaginable. Yeah, and also just broke the Monday record. Really? Yeah, it, uh, made forty million on Monday or wow. something. So. Yeah, so it broke all those records and and steaming into the new year with not a lot of competition for 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 a lot of weeks. So we'll see how all that shake out. But we, you know, Bob and I uh, on Sunday when we got together, we had maybe like a two minute conversation mm-hmm. about it. Uh, we don't really n- know very much uh, except for very high level stuff what each other thinks about mm-hmm. it. So we'll get into it um, about that in, in a little bit. Um, but first, Bob, did you get all your Christmas shopping done? Are you all ready to go? Yes, I went to the liquor store yesterday. Bought mm-hmm. a couple of bottles of wine. Those sort of last things you do. Had to get some extra wrapping paper today, though, mm. and discovered it's harder to do than you think. My boss was going out to CVS. They had the only thing they had left: three rolls, one really nice one, and two little sort of foily ones. <laughs> Ten bucks. <laughs> Ten bucks. It's like okay, yeah, great. It had bows in it. Thanks. And that's what I get for not prepping ahead. Yeah. Actually, I have to buy a couple more Christmas cards. Okay, and that's about it. How about you? I uh, I'm pretty much done. Also, did a liquor store thing. Uh, I got a bunch of co- bottles. I have one or two other things I have to pick up, but they're not like gift card and and a, and a, and, a, and a Christmas card as well. Mm-hmm. I have to pick up. That's about it. Um, it's very those things are easy to pick up, but I, we're at the point now. I mean, when you're hearing this, it's twenty third, it's twenty second. Obviously, when we're actually recording it, and it's just not even f- fun to go near stores at this no. point. Uh, I went to Target today just to pick up a couple of things, and it was pretty nutty. 
uh, yeah. there. And not even, it wasn't even that nutty in the store. It was just so nu- it was very nutty getting in and out of parking lots. Yeah. Um, They'll kill for a space. They will. So plus it was kind of raining today too, so people get extra crazy. I have a, a suggestion about gift cards, just okay. in case. Stop and shop supermarket. Yeah, yeah, that's at the register. Mm-hmm. There are just tons of gift cards. They have one over by where they have like the newest movies. Yeah, and just a bank of gift cards from yeah. nearly every store and restaurant you can imagine. And do they have greeting cards at Stop and Shop? Yes, they, they do. do. Okay. Quite a lot of them. All right, so I'm gonna probably do that then. Yeah, <laughs> get some rotisserie chicken. <laughs> exactly. Gift cards and a greeting card and go home. It's delicious and very efficient. Yeah. So we're and their gonna... craft beers are getting better too. It's true, though. Sometimes, I mean. I, I assume not, probably not for this season, but I sometimes, yeah. Stop and Shop is also not the funnest place to be sometimes when people no. want to get things. Yeah. <laughs> I need that turkey. Yeah. Why are they all frozen? Well, it's <laughs> not Thanksgiving anymore. And you can't go to uh, you can't go to the quick checkout line with gift cards because they have to do like that double scanning yeah. business to activate them. So customer service I've got you there. Customer, oh, yeah, service. customer service, and they can also ring up your food if you it's go true. over there too. You got to cheat. Yeah. You gotta cheat. Except sometimes when you go on customer service line, you end up behind somebody who's like returning oranges or something, yeah. and then it becomes a whole other process. This orange was defective. Yeah. Looking, like going through like their, you know, $250, 10 foot long receipt. Line by line. Line by line to try to find items, and you know, all oh, this orange costs 10 cents more, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's always, it's one of those rules of, uh, rules of thumb, like just like when I ever I go to CVS or Walgreens or whatever. I inevitably end up behind somebody who's doing all of their shopping at yes. Walgreens or CVS. They have a cart full of stuff, and it's always somebody who's like ninety nine years old. So mm-hmm. it's it's very. I always end up. I need. I just need this thing of cold medicine, and it takes me like twenty five minutes. Yeah. And when they're done, it's the exact change thing. Oh yeah. Oh, I I have that. Mm-hmm. No, no, don't please. No, no, no. The register will tell you. Tell them how much change it give you yeah, back. Yeah, don't yeah. try to dig out eighty four cents. Yeah. Please. You don't get a you don't get a trophy for that. No. 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 Um, but yeah, so the Christmas season is almost upon us. Uh, the Christmas season is here. Sorry, Christmas is almost upon us. Um, and like I said, you guys will be hearing uh, our, our our bank of podcasts over the next week or so. Uh, but we wanted to get one more sort of sort of regular show out before the before the year ended. Um, and uh, this was actually keeping on Stephanie's tradition of recommending things yes. and then not being here for them. Uh, Stephanie had recommended uh th- this Hellcat history uh, because the new book is coming mm-hmm. out and. Uh, also, I mean, she it was featured heavily in the Jessica Jones television yes. show, the Netflix show. So, she's a character that is on the is on the up and coming right now. So, and Stephanie's a huge fan. Yes. So of course she's not she's here. Not here. She's not here. Hopefully, uh, she'll listen. Yeah, she's working tonight at the Silver Snail. So, oh wow, that's cool. Good luck to her uh, tonight. Um, she can't sell any Hellcat today. She can't sell any Hellcat. Well, no. unless they could break Street Day. No, I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> Shh, Bob, come on. Um, but she might be able to sell people on it. If they're coming in tomorrow, yes, uh, or today, depending on when you're listening to this, or yesterday, right. or, or a week next ago, week or, yeah, whatever yeah. it might be. Um, so let's talk about Trish Walker, Patricia <laughs> Walker, Patsy Walker, Patsy Walker Baxter, Patsy Walker, to yeah. use her first married name. Um, so Patsy Walker has been sort of two characters, right, in her history. Yeah. And in two very different sorts of universes. Her history goes back to nearly the very beginning of what was then Timely Comics. Her first appearance was in Miss America magazine, (laughs) which was actually a full-sized magazine. It took over from Miss America Comics. The character was part of the all-winner squad who, at one point, was thought to be the mother of the Scarlet Witch with her husband, Hmm. the Wizard. Of course. Worst superhero name ever, but (laughs) they were good characters. She was... 
the backup feature, once this went to a magazine, it was contests and how-tos and fashion tips and all that sort of stuff. And so they created this character, Patsy Walker, who was a fashion model. And she was created by Ruth Atkinson, who used to work for Fiction House doing uh, Planet Comics and Wings and all those fancy books they did. Just a great artist. And Stan Lee was part of this, too. How much? No one's entirely <laughs> sure. But he was in charge of the office then, so probably had some input, but it could have been all Ruth. There's a dispute. And do you remember the mad fold-ins? No. The back of Mad Magazine, oh, we took yeah, the yeah, covers yeah, yes. and put them together. Yes. Al Jaffe worked for Timely then, too, and he was part of this whole okay. sort of triumvirate of people who were part of this. Uh, Ruth would draw that for two years, and within a year, this was November 1944, Patsy'd have her own book by the next spring that would run for 20 years, ran mm. for 124 issues. Um, and she also had a spinoff series with her friend Hetty Wolf. It was called <laughs> Patsy and Hetty, which ran for 110 issues on its own. Oh, my goodness. Uh Trivia, I found out researching this, there are two books that actually are the first Marvel comic. Time, Marvel was timely, even though their first book was Marvel Comics with the Torch and the Submariner. Mm -hmm. They were timely. They were Atlas during the 50s. The first two books actually have a little MC on the book without the big square we were used to seeing. It was a little MC. It's Journey into Mystery 69, which was a Thor book, and Patsy Walker, number 95. So <laughs> she's, she's the first Marvel comic at some <laughs> level. She actually made an appearance, though, as... Patsy, as in Fantastic Four Annual Number Three, where she and Hetty are trying to crash the wedding of Reed and Sue, <laughs> and they're they're just really thrilled to see Tony Stark, and he's like such a dreamboat. So they're they're just they're just hanging out, and that little little panel, very redheaded Patsy, uh, always spunky, filled with personality, which is something that would travel all through every incarnation of this character up until when we just saw her in the She-Hulk. That's something that carried completely through. Steve Englehart, who we had the pleasure of having on as a guest, he did a solo series for The Beast in Amazing Adventures back in 1972, where Hank McCoy goes from being Hank McCoy to being this furry monster. He's working for the Brand Corporation, big corporate think tank that would eventually be bought up by Roxxon Oil, because everyone's <laughs> bought up by Roxxon on the Marvel Universe, and he thinks there's trouble afoot. He can't... He doesn't think he can go investigate because it's hard to hide the way he's built. So he's discovered the chemical cause of mutation and takes this stuff, turns into the furry beast, gets distracted, doesn't get back in time, and gets stuck. So that's how he ended up as you see him now. So mm -hmm. the movie really sort of does that right, in, yeah. in a way, but that's what happened here. Steve Englehart, who loved Marvel history, again, he did the cap of the 50s that we talked about here, he needed a military character and his wife to be part of this book. Now, back in the Patsy Walker model days, the, those books, she had a fiancé named Buzz Baxter, who was, uh, when last seen, had been a colonel in the Air Force. He throws them in, unnamed, into this book. And now they are just sort of, you know, the beast is, is coming through the front gate, and there they are, showing up in 1972. As it turns out, uh, Hank gets in really big trouble, ends up torn apart by this, this huge monster here. And he sort of stumbles into Patsy's apartment. And she extracts a promise from him that we won't find out about for a couple of years. Hmm. She's going to keep his secret. She actually protects him from Buzz, who's trying to do nefarious things, which we'll also find out as the years go on. 
And so they, they, they become fast friends. The book only lasted a couple of more issues, but what we end up with is Steve Englehart goes on to write The Avengers. And so three years later, uh, The Avengers are checking into what's going on at Brand because it's always bad stuff. Buzz is still around. They are now divorced in what might be the first superhero divorce. Hmm. I'd have to do more research, but I'm pretty sure we're, we're right up there with, with the very beginning. And that Avengers number 141 is the first George Perez Avengers issue on top of everything else. So Engelhart brings him back. We have the Squadron Sinister, the Serpent Crown from Lemuria, and the, the issues are sort of split because some of the Avengers have gone back into the past to fight Kang with the cowboy heroes, which would go on and on <laughs> for years. The Rawhide Kid and Two-Gun hit all in the past. Two-Gun would end up back here with us. And they end up captured by the Avengers. Uh, I'm sorry, the Avengers end up captured by Roxxon and Brand. Patsy had, gone, had come to the Avengers to, to sort of get that promise, which would turn out to be, Hank had always promised that she'd get to do some superheroing. Again, spunky, always knew what to do, always do the right thing. And she comes in, she's going to blackmail the beast. I'm going to tell everyone you're Hank McCoy. And so (laughs) she does. And they go, and? (laughs) We know that. He already told us that. It's not a problem. So she, she also tells him about what's going on at Brand. She tags along. They'll get captured, her included. They find a way to break out, but they can't get out of the, the factory. So they're running through the warehouse, and the bad guys are chasing them all over the place. This is Squadron Sinister. These are Hyperion and that mm-hmm. whole crew. They come across the, the brand archives, so to speak, and there on a box is the Hellcat outfit just sort of sitting there doing nothing. Because what that was, a, a couple of years before, Marvel had done some books in 1972-73, where they decided to do female-led characters all by female creators. So in this case, it was The Cat, and that was by, we had a Wally Wood cover, and it is Linda Fight who wrote that. And it's the same, it's the Hellcat outfit that we know, the yellow and the blue and the claws and so on. And the books all sort of failed. But they're, they're very well done, just didn't really go with it. Is, uh, the Cat, Shaun of the She-Devil, and Night Nurse, which is where that all mm. is all part of this whole thing. So it's funny that they're now back together yeah. <laughs> on Daredevil. They give Patsy the suit, which sort of enhances her abilities, and she actually helps the Avengers beat the Squadron Sinister. Now, uh, by the way, uh, Greer Nelson, who was the cat, would become Tigra the Werewoman in Giant Size Creatures number one, where she <laughs> fights the werewolf by night. We're getting, we're getting goofy here, but this is fun. <laughs> uh, anyway, we have some more Squadron Sinister. We get to Avengers issues number 150 and 151. There's going to be another change in the lineup. Thor's going to go away and some other people. And they ask Patsy, would she want to be Avengers? She came off so well. So, you know, we've got people that can train you. We've had other people with less experience. We're, we'll be good here. Anyone remember, you remember Moondragon? No. Bold-headed green, uh, she's, <laughs> that's her right there. Okay. Green swimsuit and a cape. She's actually the daughter of the leader of Titan, the moon where it's Captain Marvel and mm. Eros and Tha- it's Tha- Thanos' father is you know, Titan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, uh, Patsy's going to join and Moondragon says, no, you're not ready for that. You need to come to me because you have latent psychic abilities. You should come with me and I'll train you in the martial arts and all this sort of stuff. So Patsy leaves and then is not seen again for a couple of years where she turns up in The Defenders, which is now by Roger Sleefer and uh, David Kraft. 
and she just shows up out of nowhere. Now, the defenders at this point, it's the Hulk and Submariner Doctor Strange is still around. Nighthawk from the squadrons there, the Valkyrie, is hanging out. She's coming back from outer space. You know, the Earth is coming to an end. And she then ends up in the Defenders and stays there for the better part of like eight years, uh, including the famous issue 89. Well, not so famous for most people, <laughs> where we discover that all those eight issue, eight years worth of Patsy Walker comics were actually, there are Patsy Walker comics within the Marvel Universe. Just the way the Fantastic Four had their own book, which we saw, we saw Stan and Jack in the FF books. Only in this case, it's written by her mother who writes some not nice stuff about it. You've told me that's sort of the way the TV show is going, right? But yeah, now yeah, she's yeah. a movie star or a TV star? In the TV show, she was like a, you know, like a Hannah Montana you know, type of Disney Channel star, and her mother mm. was sort of a you know, very bad stage mom mm. who sort of steered her career the way she wanted to and was, you know, very kind of like verbally abusive to, to Patsy. Mm. And, uh, and it's part of the reason why in the show... She doesn't call herself Patsy anymore. She calls herself Trish There's, because she doesn't want to have the name Patsy anymore because that's how she was known. Like the name of the show was It's Patsy. That, that's the okay. name of the show, <laughs> Jessica Jones. At least to stay away from that. Yeah. Uh, I don't think her mom wasn't as bad here, but wasn't exactly great. Mm -hmm. uh, Patsy would have much worse relatives as we move on here. Mm. But I think it's fascinating too. We She was in the Defenders all this time, and that's where all this Netflix stuff is run towards. Mm -hmm. So if she ends up, if there's a Patsy spinoff, and there's yeah. a lot of, no pun intended, buzz about her. <laughs> We, we could sort of go there. But mm -hmm. in issue 89, her mom passes. Uh, in issue 92, just a couple of issues later, she, the long, the long lasting return of the son of Satan, Damon <laughs> Hellstrom. Uh, and he really was the son of Satan, though at, at some point they backed away from calling him the actual biblical Satan. <laughs> it's, one of, it's one of the Mephistos or mm -hmm. something like that. He has not the greatest influence on the Hellcat, who ends up being very hellish indeed. But despite all that, they end up being married in issue 125. <laughs> and that doesn't go exactly as you'd want it to be because he, his demonic side comes out and begins to influence her thought pattern. She eventually goes mad and commits suicide. Oh, boy. Uh, now, she really commits suicide. I mean, there's some other, other stories in between where she's in a Marvel solo Avengers book where there's a little story with her ex-husband, Buzz, who's now a supervillain. Why not? I mean, it's Marvel. You got to be a supervillain <laughs> if bad things happen to you. Um, that's it's, it's 15 years ago, so I'm not spoiling anything. Mockingbird, who married to to Clint, she ends up dead too. He goes into hell to try to get her back. Argues with Mephisto. Big fight scenes. There's this thing in the corner, and he grabs it, and they fight their well out of hell. And it's in Thunderbolts Annual Number Twenty. The only thing is, he doesn't get Mockingbird back. He accidentally picks up Patsy Walker and brings her out okay. of hell. And then she returns in the next month's Avengers Annual 2000. She has slightly enhanced powers at this point, where she actually has a little bit of a, they call it a mystic sense, where she can sort of understand something bad's happening. It's the Force, mm -hmm. so to speak. Uh, but it's still the same character. She's come back from hell, all light and sunny. As a matter of fact, that whole issue has a revisit to her old hometown, I think it was Centerville, all told in the very 50s, all wearing sort of cat skirts instead of poodle <laughs> skirts. But I think this sort of artwork, as Brittany Williams in the new series, mm -hmm. I think is definitely channeling the sort of 50s, 60s sort of thing. Now, after that, she'd end up 
back in the Defenders, a slightly different look at that was the uh, Eric Larson. And then a couple of miniseries, one in, I think it's 2007 by Steve Englehart and Norm Brayfogle, who had done her so much good before. And then the Catherine Imminent series mm-hmm. in 2008, whose trade is out of print that I tried to find today. <laughs> Be careful what you're going to pay for it. I think they'll reprint it at some point. Marvel Divas, Into She-Hulk. But all, through all these appearances, what's really important is Patsy is in love with being the Hellcat. It's fun for her. She's fulfilling a destiny she didn't have before. She has friends in a different way than she did all through the Defenders era. Uh, whether it was uh, Sleefer or, or uh, David Kraft, Ed Hannigan, who would follow, even Englehart before. Tons of female friendships. And as we're seeing, that, that aspect of the character continues to come up, whether it's with the She-Hulk, now with Jessica Jones on the show. So those portrayals are really, really accurate to that. Mm-hmm. Again, she never says quit, never says die. And it's, it's our introduction to this. She's, she's so in love with the idea of being a superheroine. It's uh, us regular people. If we all of a sudden may not be bitten by a spider or cosmic rays or anything, if you get to all of a sudden hang with the Avengers, that is, you'd have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. As long as you're not getting killed or tortured or whatever. So I think at some level, she might even be, I don't want to say the prototype for what Squirrel Girl is about. Mm-hmm. But in these early issues, there, there's a lot of that going on. They never really went all humor with Hellcat, which I think we're going now, which is going to be mm-hmm. fascinating to see how people react to, oh, just knocking off Squirrel Girl somehow. Mm-hmm. It's actually something that may have even come before and got folded into where Squirrel Girl came through. Mm-hmm. Now, picking up back issues, a lot of these things have been reprinted in the essentials and trade paperback versions of those old archives. Again, the Avengers stuff is from 141 to 144. Which that's that first story arc. She continued through to 151. The Defender stuff is starting to come out, and that's she begins in 44 and runs for years and years and years. The early Patsy stuff might be on Marvel Unlimited now, just mm-hmm. because. But she's a fascinating character to delve into. If if you're interested in this new series, you might want to drift backwards. So we talk, hit on a little bit. You know, she loves being Hellcat. Um, what are the things other than that that kind of define who Patsy is? to you um and also just sort of nuts and bolts like you, you sort of you sort of mentioned her powers a little bit but like what is her sort of atypical power set not many athletic uh courageous intelligent willing to to she'll take a couple of shots to give what she needs mm. the, the outfit itself enhances her ability slightly so she's probably i'm gonna say like an olympic level gymnast the suit itself has claws on the hands and feet, so she can sort of climb a little bit, but those are used mostly as offensive weapons. Later on, she would have that sort of psychic sense. She can also change it. Her outfit just shows up on its own. Sometimes when there's trouble, mm. she doesn't even know it. So it's, I don't want to say it's a cat sense, but somewhere <laughs> in there. But I think what was really interesting, particularly as, as the books got darker, you know, the Defenders went into some really oddball places. Uh, other dimensions. Again, it was set up to be the non-team. So lineup would change a lot, but it was very often into the mystical and the oddball. For for years, they had a character, it was the elf with a gun who was going around <laughs> shooting various supervillains and, and people. And in all that, Patsy was, if not the voice of reason, the voice of what the heck is happening here? <laughs> and uh, she had one very famous catchphrase. It was always, it was always oddball, little old-fashioned, oh, so, so crap you hear me talk about I mean, Gee Willikers or whatever. 
But I'm hoping to see in this new series, she always said cheese and crackers. <laughs> Not sure why she said cheese and crackers. But it was that, it was a lightheartedness in the face of danger that told you, like, maybe she's whistling past the graveyard in the way that we might be. That, you know, that's Kang over there. He, he could take out the Avengers in a shot, and I'm going to take a, a poke at him. Mm-hmm. And it's that gumption, to use Aunt May's old fashioned word, that really defined the character more than anything else, mm-hmm. for me anyway. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that. It's a pretty good primer for hopefully what we're going to be getting. Mm-hmm. Uh, never have read of it yet the the, the new series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it premieres the uh, 23rd, which is probably when you're listening to this yes. this podcast. Um, and we, you won't hear our reactions to it for a while. <laughs> One of us, I'm sure, will be talking about it, if not all of us. Yeah, at a certain point. Um, but, uh, you know, if you guys pick up the, the book and, and you enjoy it or whatever you think of it, you know, throw us a, a tweet at Talking Comics or write in Facebook.com uh, slash Talking Comics or, you know, send us an email at podcast yeah. at talkingcomicbooks.com and let us know uh, what, what you think of Patsy and, and if you have any other questions for sure. what we're going to be talking about. Um, and, and what the series will be. Um, so that's our discussion about Hellcat. And now it's time to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> okay, Mara. Uh, I hope you're listening. <laughs> Actually, she's on the road too again. She is on the yep. road too again because uh, she was, there was a chance she was going to be here today, but then she was like, no, I have to, I'm going to be on the road. And she didn't think she was going to be driving today, but she was. So she couldn't be on. So we're, Bob and I are going to try to not. Uh, it won't be as deep a dive as if it was Mara. No. Because uh, Mara knows her stuff. I had a discussion with Mara via text message after I saw the movie that I said to Mara, you make me feel like I'm not a geek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's got more knowledge on this subject probably than George Lucas yeah, ever did. Absolutely. So you know, if you're if you're looking for uh, kind of an analysis that has anything to do with sort of um, expanded universe right. or anything like that. Bob and I are not the people to tell you that. I mean, nope. I've read very little of it, um, and definitely not enough to ever really comment on, on how this takes from or completely ignores, all, you know, all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Like I know some broad strokes stuff, but nothing in, in depth. I really, I know the movies very, very, very well, and and that's that's really it. Uh, just so if anybody's worried if they haven't seen the movie yet, um, you know, our, our our sort of movie reviews always go like this. Bob and I will talk about it in a non-spoiler fashion for a little while, um, and then we'll clearly let you know when we're going to get into spoilers ab- mm-hmm. about about the movie. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's crazy, right? It's it's a, it's a cultural uh, event, and, and it, it's here. We, we, you know, I remember breaking the news about the Lucasfilm thing and the J.J. Abrams thing years, a couple of years ago on, on the podcast, and now it's here. Uh, and you know, I think that. I think we've talked about before, kind of our all of our personal histories with with, mm-hmm. with Star Wars. I mean, you know, as as a kid, I mean, I was uh, when Jedi came out eighty three, right? Yes. And so I was born the year that Jedi came out. Um, so I, you know, I I saw them probably all when I was for the first time when I was five or six, and then you know, and, and a lot more up 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 past then. Um, but my my biggest sort of memories uh, of seeing them actually. Um, and my most formative memories of seeing them are seeing the re-releases in 96, 97, I believe it was. Uh, that was the first special edition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they released all three in, mm-hmm. in the theaters over, over I think it was six months or something like that. I don't remember the exact time. I could be totally off on that. I, that sounds I was about 13, right. So. It, it, it went through the, the whole summer, I think. I don't remember. From spring through the end of the... I don't remember yeah, the thing. I, I, I feel like I remember seeing one of them in the winter, but I can't... Okay. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. Like, it was so long ago. 
Um, but you know, that was the first time I had seen them not on a little TV screen, so it was it was a whole other experience for me. VHS. Oh yeah, VHS. Yeah. Uh, and I, in fact, I don't even think we had like actual copies of them. I think we had like cop like tapings off the television uh-huh. or HBO <laughs> or whatever it was. So that's how I usually watch them. I saw those versions in the theater, and then of course the VHS set that came out after that. Um, that uh, I believe was the special editions because that's the mm-hmm. only thing they released from then on. Um, you know, so I mean, I obviously I remember the non-special editions because I watched them a lot before I was thirteen. But you know, since I was since I was thirteen, there hasn't really been. There's been they released them on DVD a, a few years ago. Very little fanfare and kind of like very bad transfers of of them stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't actually end up watching them at all. So. You know, and I never had a laser disc player or anything. Yes, so I still have those discs. Yep. <laughs> so since I was thirteen, the only way to really watch it was the special editions. And I mean, I know all the differences, but that's kind of, you know, a lot of what my my Star Wars time was. And when Phantom Menace came out, I was definitely excited. Um, but at that time, I wasn't really, you know, I I didn't kind of relate and deal with movies in in that same kind of way. You know, it was like, oh, Phantom Menace is out. Well, absolutely, see it. We saw it opening weekend i think or the monday after it opened or something um so packed and, and i saw it i remember walking out of phantom menace you know i was again i think i was with 99 98 i can't remember what year it was that I 98 came out. sounds 98. right 98 yeah. i was like 15 or 16 or something like that when it came out and you know i remember in, enjoying it um but having sort of a like feeling of that's not really what i expected um, and then seeing it again, and, and then it started to very quickly like fall, sort of in, in my estimation. You know, the, the stuff I thought was sort of funny and interesting the first time around be, didn't really hold up to multiple viewings. Um, the second one is is one of, to my, my opinion, one of the worst sort of um, big budget, um, high profile action movies mm-hmm. or movies like this to be to, to be released. Yeah. Um, I mean. It's not like a again. It's not like a steaming wreck or anything, but it has a lot of problems, and it's it's the least watchable. I feel like of 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 all of them. And the third one, you know, I when the first one came out, I remember I enjoyed it uh, with a lot of with a lot of reservations, um, and I actually have not gone back and watched that third one for a very long time. So I I can't I don't really even have much of an opinion about those movies in general, other than re- not having um, a good time watching yeah. them so much remembering certain scenes that I thought were very good. Like, I think there's still really good things, especially in the event of menace. I think the, the pod racing scene is too long and, and, and it's kind of a odd non story related thing to put mm-hmm. in there, but it's a really excellent scene as far as like just a racing scene. And the, obviously the closing lightsaber battle is amazing. Yeah. Well, there's some interesting characters mm-hmm. and some great settings and it's the dawn of full digital backgrounds, but yeah. there's still some real sets. Mm-hmm. So it's still sort of, it's the last one on film, right? Yes, because the other two, the, I remember the big deal about when clones came out and it was digital. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and there was still some like the real, the puppet Yoda was still in the, in that one. Um, that would go away right yes. after that was over. So I heard just today that they're borrowing from the Smithsonian. The oh, pu- really? <laughs> the puppet for the new movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah. Uh, and apparently Frank Oz is interested in doing it. Mm, I imagine that there'd be a flashback. <laughs> You never know. Yeah, yeah. Jedi heaven. I mean, of course, there's. Uh, I mean, of course, there's like the spinoff movies and stuff that. Oh, that's true. That are coming. Like Rogue One takes place before um, New Hope, so there's a possibility there too. But. Uh, so yeah, so that's sort of like how I felt. But I, I've always, I, I never really soured on, the, you know, the the Star Wars like brand or anything like that. I, you know, the the kind of animated stuff they put out since then has, has all been very good, and you know, I I. 
I, I'm not the kind of person who I, I don't get ruined. Like I, the first, the original three don't get ruined for me by the new three. Um, I think they're worse movies, and I think they don't have mm-hmm. the magic that the other one, the others do. But um, you know, I never really had like a an, an anger towards the, the new ones. I think I was more angered at George Lucas mm. in that he had, he created this touchstone for people's memories that he and I are reasonably the same age. So we grew up watching Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers and Gunga Din and all the rest of it. And he channeled all that into this wonderful movie that had stop motion effects, but still had giant ships and state of the art and old at the same time. And it was a movie that if I was 21 when I saw it, you you loved it at that age. If you were slightly older, it was fine. If you were a kid, you fell in love mm-hmm. with what the movies were about yeah. and what a movie could be like mm-hmm. that hadn't been seen in so long. Now, he went, I think, against his own sense of wonder, eventually. The second movie, no, almost everyone says. I shouldn't, mm. I shouldn't say everyone mm-hmm. thinks. Mostly everyone will tell you the Empire is probably the best of the, the whole right, bunch yeah. of them. If the first movie was for eight-year-olds and the eight-year-old in all of us, mm-hmm. the, the next one made it a little older. Mm-hmm. We have deeper relationships. You're bringing your audience with you in the way that the Harry Potter films mm-hmm. and books did. Yeah. And then halfway through the next movie, it's okay. I want to. It's like I want to sell toys. Mm. I want to sell dolls. I want to do something else. And we come back for those prequels. That really hit me that way. It's, mm-hmm. we, he pre-sold those toys. Mm-hmm. But wasn't a whole line of toys that came way before the movie. Yeah. I was like, you don't need to do this. Mm-hmm. First of all, you're sitting on more than King Midas. <laughs> and look, you should you should make movies with somebody else's money, not yeah, your own. Yeah. And I get that. Yeah. But it was he was making this movie on our money. Mm-hmm on toys and gizmos and gadgets, and it was very easy to sour on, not Star Wars the films, but Star Wars the experience. Mm-hmm. And I think I, it's to my detriment, I went into those sequel, the prequels rather, with that frame of mind. Mm-hmm. It's like, ugh, mm-hmm. here's this, here's that, I don't like this, why is he adding that? Why do we need a backstory for Darth Vader anyway? Mm-hmm. We, we've talked about this with yeah. a lot of other characters, yeah. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I, he, he's Darth Vader. Spoiler, he's Luke's dad. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's all I need to know when he yeah. turned bad. Yeah. Showing me all this other stuff mm. over, was it uh, seven hours, eight hours across uh, the three yeah, movies? Yeah, seven hours probably. Uh, and a second viewing fairly recent. When did the Blu-rays come out? Uh, two, three, three years ago? Two, three, yeah. Three years yeah. ago, something like that, I think. Uh, some friends were having a whole marathon. Mm. I was I was at work, came in just for the end of chapter two and mm. then mm. Seth. And they weren't helped. They weren't <laughs> helped by the clarity and they weren't helped by distance. Right. All that said, once they start announcing okay, Lucas is sold, J.J. Mm. Abrams, whose work on Star Trek I was more iffy about, but I could see in the way those movies were and that story mm. was told, he's the guy for this. Mm-hmm. He could definitely do this. He's a, he's a fan as much as we are. Mm-hmm. He's going to go backwards to at least the tone and we'll see what we do with that. And... Every trailer seemed to be heading in that right direction. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't obsess over the trailers, mm-hmm. but it was I, a friend of mine has actually written an entire his own script based on the trailer. <laughs> it's like, Bill, you probably shouldn't do that. You're yeah. going to be disappointed when it's not your movie yeah, that you yeah, wrote absolutely. when it shows up. Because it really, the trailers didn't give you much plot at all. No, and especially after seeing the movie, um, there's a lot that I'm very grateful to the trailers for doing that because there were surprises that I I didn't see coming and I will say too and 
And I know there are people who are like, well, I kind of, I, I guess this and I guess that. I was also, I was watching just the trailers. And I, I mean, I watch trailers a lot and I, I love them. But I was really, I was, I was kind of in love with the fact that I didn't know. So I wasn't even like critically thinking about yes. the possibilities, right? I was like, okay, I'm just going to let it go. Like, I'm just going to see what happens. I don't know who this Kylo Ren guy is. I don't know who, I don't know who Ray is. I don't know who Finn is. You know, I, I don't know how they relate to, you know, the original cast at all. I don't know, no, really under, I don't really understand like why there are stormtroopers, why they're, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I was kind of looking forward to going into it in that way. And I, you know, I can, I never really, I've never really been a, like, uh, you know, an un, I don't want to get spoiled by trailers, but I'm not the kind of person, I don't have the willpower to not watch I agree. a trailer yeah, for a movie way. that I'm really excited for, you know, and it's up and I don't, trailers are meant to be something that goes, okay, like here's what, here's a, a marketing piece for a movie that makes you want to see the movie. And of course, like stuff with the, 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 the Avengers movies and, and with star Wars, I'm going to see them anyway, but it's just something that like kind of wets my whistle for it, mm-hmm. it gives me a little bit to sort of see like, Oh my God, this is what it looks like. And, and it looks, Oh, this thing I, the way I thought it was gonna look, this is how it looks and, and that kind of stuff. So I watched that stuff, but I didn't watch any TV spots. And I also did not chase down. I didn't read any stories that were like, is this what's going on in the force awakens? Yeah. Anything like that. I tried to go in, you know, as someone who would have just seen the trailers going to see movies over the, the years before, yeah. before it came out. Um, and, you know, and again, this is not correct because we talked a little bit about the prequels and, and the original trilogy, and it's not a big discussion about that. You know, uh, Joey Esposito wrote a very interesting little article for his um, for his blog where he talked about how he loves Force Awakens, but you know, it also makes him a little bit sad because it's not the movie that the creator of the property would have ever made. You know, at this point, yeah, it's 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 a very interesting article, and I and I, I recommend people go check it out if you just. Um, if you search Joey Espido, Espido blog, it'll, it'll be on there. But it talks about how you know he he's a he's he doesn't dislike the prequels. He likes the prequels, and he says he likes he fully he fully you know admits that the execution of, of things was bad. But he likes the fact that he was trying to do different things and go different places w- with the stories and stuff like that. So it's an interesting read, and I think mm-hmm. that you know I, I I think you have the same experience as I do, Bob. Is everyone that I talk to and then the circles that I run in, no one I know likes the prequels yeah. so it's a it can be a very you know a very a big echo chamber when you're talking about it because everyone is just sort of like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean it's like a big pylon session so there are other opinions out there but you know somebody i i was happy when george lucas wasn't going to be a part of uh, 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 a big part anymore and you know if you look back at the stories before episode one came out he didn't want to direct those movies either he wanted to you know kind of produce them and sort of conceptualize them and have other directors I think david fincher was going to be on line for that steven spielberg was kind of up for for one of them and it was actually spielberg who convinced lucas to make the movies himself yeah. and so i think george lucas has sort of been not wanting to make this movie for a very very long time so i was happy when he sort of let it go and next generation and i'm a huge jj abrams fan and you know i remember when i saw you know i saw the 2009 star trek i was like oh Someone finally made a cool Star Wars movie. Yes. It just happens yeah. to be called Star Trek at <laughs> in, in, in this point. Um, and so he's directing Star Wars, and it's almost too it's too perfect on paper, you know, that he's doing it because he just seems like the guy who, who would do it. Um, and it's here, and we finally we, we saw it. And I saw it on Thursday night, and I I didn't get spoiled in anything before I saw it, so that was really nice. Sit down experience at a great audience, um, and I wish he was ready to really love the movie. Um, uh, but let's get into, you know, just kind of general thoughts. And, like, w- what will happen in general thoughts is that we'll talk about overall impressions. 
we'll talk about characters um and what we thought of them and what we liked what we what we liked what we didn't like um so and we will talk about stuff that happens in the movie so um leaving behind yeah, there, there's, game changer. Yeah, there's yeah. not going to be any big spoilers. We're going to talk very little about plot, but in order to talk about you know who Ray is as far as just her basic character, not any sort of like who she is yeah. and big mm-hmm. and big things, we're going to have to talk about you know the planet that she's on or or whatever. If if you care about not hearing that stuff, stop listening. After you see the movie, come back, listen to the listen to the review. So, Bob, what were your overall impressions of Star Wars: The Force Awakens? I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I loved it. If I'm going to put a star rating up early, just so people know, three out of four, mm-hmm. which in, in the, considering the train wreck that anything like this mm-hmm. could be where you have so many expectations coming in, it's really solid. Mm-hmm. There's some quibbles, a couple of things that aren't quibbles, but it is so much, the, the one thing that is a tremendous positive and is also slightly a negative is the idea that this is very beholden to the tone and attitudes of the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. So that is great. And it's what Joey's pointing out. It's okay. It's, it's that again. Mm-hmm. Yes. But when it's that again and done with this care, this love and the ideas of, okay, this was something that was put in place all those years ago to touch people's hearts and souls and spirit mm-hmm. of adventure. We can do that here with a new generation of, of, of actors, effects, expectations, and fulfill them. There are moments that you'd say, oh, could have done that, could have done this differently. Yes. But that it's fun, first mm-hmm. and foremost. Still a sense of menace, a sense of something that needs to be accomplished. There's there's a mission, and it swirls around a couple of different times, mm-hmm. which is fun. There are reversals, which are nice. There are some characters that reverse field, mm-hmm. which are interesting. And... That makes a very satisfying film where you, I thought things were going to happen one way and they didn't. Others that I wait, I I saw that coming. But when it's revealed, things are revealed early. Yeah, not always mm-hmm. late, which is good. It's not. We're going to throw everything into the third act mm-hmm. and make a colossal jam up at the end. Mm-hmm. No, it happens sort of organically, mm-hmm. which is really nice. We have some interesting villains. Some don't get as much screen time as maybe they should, but it's again, it's a movie about heroes. Yeah. But the heroes are only as good as the villains they're facing mm-hmm. at some level. So we'll we'll talk about that as we go a little further forward. Love that there were the effects looked they're new. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. I don't want this to sound like it's all it's flesh grown with little um pyrotechnic sizzler things yeah. in the back <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it it lots of shots of the point of view of the pilots mm-hmm. again. It's, there are dog fights taking place overhead while you're underneath, mm-hmm. which is a shot we haven't seen before. And you swirl back in, still some of the politics mm-hmm. from the old and the new a little bit. So I think you have deepened that story somewhat. Again, we have how many generations are going to be seeing this at once? We've yeah. got to be doing it with grandparents, parents, and little ones. Yeah. In the theater I was in, there were people older than I am, parents. Three-year-olds, five-year-olds. We had two with us, uh, a five and a three, one dressed as R2, one as, as, <laughs> as an Ewok. And those kids were as enamored of this film as the grown-ups. Yeah. They were squeeing and having fun as were grown-ups applauding at when certain people show up. Mm-hmm. When certain things show up. Yeah. A couple of times. <laughs> so, I mean, a, a very solid piece of entertainment. It sets the tone for where we're going to go next. It set puts into place some pieces for next time. I yeah, solidly behind this being a really really good movie. I'd love to see it again. 
Yeah. I saw it in IMAX. I think I'd like to try it non-3D just mm-hmm. to see if there's a, a change in yeah. the way I look at things. That's not all the spectacle of it. For the people predicting a train wreck, from my way of thinking, I might have even been one of them in a little, <laughs> some little dark place in my heart. It wasn't that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't remake the idea of Star Wars either. It doesn't take it somewhere else. So that's good and bad at once. Uh, that's then pretty general for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I, I mean, I agree with you on a lot, a lot of what you're saying. I think that. And again, it all goes into what you're expecting when you, when you go into it. You know, it's very much, in many ways, a remix of the of a of a new hope to be mm-hmm. able to put it in a way that it's easy to understand without numbers getting into, yes. into the way uh, of, of a new hope. It it has a lot of elements of that of that movie, um, but like you said, things switched up in in sometimes subtle and sometimes major ways that make it a surprising thing. Um, one of the things, absolutely, Bob, what you were saying, one of the things I loved the most about it was that uh, it didn't hold back reveals that could have led to sort of dust-ups between characters that would have... It left all of that stuff for early in the movie so that when the focus is, you know, bad guys potentially destroying good guys yeah. the good guys are focused on what they should be focused on not belly aching and crying because someone yeah. lied to them yeah. you know that's, that's that I, I liked that a lot of, about the story I'm always a fan when stories go against my expectations in that kind of way it's structurally because you know you, you kind of see things mapping out and you can see in your head okay well, I'm waiting for the scene where this happens and a lot of times those scenes don't happen in this movie which I was I was a big fan of um uh, you know, I, I overall, I, I would say I, I love the movie. I am, I'm going to see it again tomorrow, um, so I'm excited about that because again, it was it's very a very overwhelming experience, especially a movie that you're so excited to see, one that has so many expectations, and you know, not just of this movie, but of 30 years of, of movies and, and a childhood of expectations behind it. It's a tough movie to watch with a, just a clear head and, and check it out. Um, I, I always find these kind of very big ticket movies. I enjoy them more the second time, regardless of how much I liked them the first time, because I'm not waiting for things to happen i'm not i'm not the the movie that was played out in my head before i saw the movie is gone you know and now i can right. just enjoy the You're movie not that's reviewing there. that anymore exactly right. yep. i'm like oh i wish they had done this now i just know what they're gonna do so i, I can watch it again um the thing i took away from it, the new cast is across the board stellar I, I they're so good and the old cast is also so good but the new cast is so good it didn't bother me when we were spending chunks of time away from the people that I grew up loving, right? Yes. With Ray and Finn and Poe and the three, the three new sort of good guy leads, um, they're all they all have different chem, all have different sort of um, charm and and different magnetism and a different thing they bring, um, but they all bring it completely on their A game and they're and they're all just. I could watch a movie about any single one of those people mm-hmm. by themselves. Um, Kylo Ren, who is obviously you know, you know is the new sort of big bad, um, or one of the new big mm-hmm. bads, uh, the uh, the like sort of the sort of you know Darth Vader surrogate, you'd say probably for this. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I I in the trailers, I, I enjoyed like what I saw, but they give you very little of him except for just some poses and some the imposing sort of design. And, and the design of the movie is great. It's it, it continues very much in the spirit of, of, of those movies of the original movies and brings you sort of those same iconic things in, in new forms. But, uh, I thought Adam driver, uh, did a really fantastic job being both. And like you said before, it's kind of the microphones of the whole movie, both what you expect and what you don't expect at the same time. 
he's not just another Darth Vader. There's a lot of there's a lot of different stuff going on, um, and just the way he behaves and acts is is very different, right? Than than Darth Vader acts in that in that original mm-hmm. trilogy. And I'll get into more deeper stuff about that when we get to spoilers because there's a lot of stuff, you know, minutia stuff that I want to talk about with him. But uh, loved a whole new cast. I love the way it looked. There's a there's a mix of practical obviously and a lot of digital effects that you can't do a lot of this stuff without digital effects but i thought that that mix worked very well it's just when you mix it the right way it it makes your brain stop looking for the computer right so it's the fact that you know in iron man sometimes he's wearing a real iron man suit sometimes it's digital and you can't really you can't look at it and tell the difference and, and that happens here i think a lot of the time um so I love that out about it. There was one scene again, it's a little, uh, one scene where I felt like the monsters were a little bit too yes. digital. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a very short scene. It's not like it's a big thing. It's the one. It, the rest of the effects are so good in the movie. It was the one time that I I had a problem with them. Uh, but in overall, I I I laughed. I got wrapped up in the characters. I got emotional at times for both nostalgic and just for in the plot reasons. Uh, I thought it was an extremely satisfying, entertaining movie to watch. And I think when you get down to it for these types of movies, it's it's one of the best, I think, examples of how to make a high-octane action fantasy movie but still make it about characters. Uh, and I thought it, could, it did great that way. It's a breakneck-paced movie. I mean, it, it starts and it just doesn't really like let off the gas for the entire movie. There are, there are dialogue scenes. There are quiet scenes where there's not action happening. But there isn't ever action too far away when you get to mm-hmm. that point. And those scenes actually still, they're, they're paid off. Yes. Because you, you'll sit for a second and they'll be dis- discussing. Mm-hmm. And that discussion leads to someplace interesting and mm-hmm. then something breaks off from that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it it was a big win for me. You know, I, like you said, I have little quibbles ab- about mm-hmm. it. Um, and I have some sort of, I have quibbles and I have questions ab- about what this all means of course it's part of a series of movies so there are things left unanswered in in this movie um that i fully expect will get answered in 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 other movies it's still i think a well self-contained movie in itself there's just aspects of the plot that obviously are going to be tied to other stuff without there being an ending in the same way that empire ended with Mm -hmm. a cliffhanger yeah it ends with we can we can continue this in three or four different ways. Yes. The way Prometheus ended, where it's, mm. okay, we can go here, we can go here, yeah. and take this ride with us once we get there. Yeah. Have fun thinking about it till then. For the next three years or yeah, whatever. Right. So, I'm, so I'm excited uh, 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 about the future of Star Wars, m- mostly because I think that the, the new actors are just, are just great. Um, you know, and you look at a character, uh, uh, BB-8 is a, is a very, you know, f- easy character to point out, but... That's a, a very good example of how the movie captures the spirit and, and the sort of fun of the original trilogy. Because, you know, he is basically like an R2 surrogate. And, and there is that sort of, again, it's part of the remix of, of, of that first movie. But, you know, I feel like the personality he manages to bring, you know, throughout it really helps to give that sort of fun to even the darker scenes in, in, in the movie. And created, as with R2, it's a character that really says nothing, beeps mm-hmm. and boops and so yeah. on, and you still cared. Yeah. When things were going badly, it's yeah. like, no! <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, th- that's pretty much my overall impression. It's very tough to talk about anything, because so much of the movie has been shrouded in secrecy. Really? That's tough to talk about anything. Uh, I will say, I mean, again, I, I talked about Kylo Ren, um, 
John Boyega as as Finn is fantastic. Uh, he's charming. He's funny. He's manic. He has he has a different arc than I think. M- most star wars characters i've seen have um there are elements of other people's sort of stories but the thing to remember too about star wars and i'm sure most people know this but star wars itself is a remix of you know joseph campbell and these very big very traditional story arcs and tropes and so everything's going to sort of play off of those ideas when it comes to this stuff finn was great um and then i mean but the standout is daisy ridley as ray i mean there's been a lot of stupid shit said by a lot of people over the last week or so because of course when anybody whenever something is very loved no matter what it is there's always me backlash people writing things about it a lot of think pieces about star wars and all this kind of stuff and like at one hand i i understand the love for for the for the universe and wanting to dig into it either whether you're the positive or negative side whichever whichever you are but at some point, I always just want to think, just, just, can, just walk, enjoy, just enjoy what you, enjoy the movie, you know. Uh, but you know, I, honestly, and I don't want to bring this up because I don't want to go too much into it. But like, I didn't, I didn't know what the word Mary Sue meant until the last two weeks. <laughs> I don't, I always heard it, but I didn't know what it meant. Uh, it's a stupid criticism of, of of the character, considering that there are. First of all, it, it's it's traditional meaning is that it's like an author surrogate character. You know, someone puts himself into a fan fiction to make you know to make right. them feel like very powerful. I I really doubt that Ray is, is a reflection of Lawrence Kasdan or J.J. Abrams. So I just put that yeah. out there right now. Maybe their desire to take this series into a somewhat mm-hmm. different direction. Yeah, uh, it's a power uh, fantasy. Don't get me wrong, but that's okay. That's what these movies are about. Uh, you it's, know, it's addressing. To be honest, to me, it's addressing a complaint. Mm-hmm. About the other movies, yeah, and one of the characters there, without spoiling too much, really, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us wanted Leia to do more, mm-hmm. and particularly as she got into, even though she she's very proactive at taking care of Jabba the Hutt mm-hmm. at some level, trying to choke him to death yeah. and all, there is still that she doesn't she stands around a lot, mm-hmm. and here now you've got that character, point one, mm-hmm. proactive, with agency doing stuff has an arc where she starts in one place moves forward to somewhere else mm-hmm. and then somewhere else even beyond that yeah so yeah it's a power fantasy it's making sure that that character role is empowered yeah and that's that's a complete positive that's a complete win for me. yeah and look i mean when we get in the spoiler talk there yeah. are certain things where i'm like, just in the fiction why i'm like but why does the know how to do that you know yeah. i definitely have those questions but overall i i love I, I love that the character is so capable, um, but still vulnerable. And this is the part of the, that whole discussion. I think it's stupid. And what it leaves out of the discussion mm-hmm. is that she is a, a, a vulnerable character who has a journey and has an arc and who has challenges that she has to face down throughout, throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just a very highly skilled person at a lot of stuff. And I don't want to give away what yeah. all that stuff is because um, that that's part of the fun. I think of unwrapping the movie. If you haven't seen the movie, but uh, the character itself is great, but Daisy Ridley, who's really been in basically nothing before this, uh, uh, of any anything major at least, is an absolute revelation as an actress in the movie. She, she's this sort of great amalgam of of different sort of movie stars and characters that you've seen before, but also something kind of wholly her own, which is what it is, what it's about, kind of being a a standout in a movie like this is, is about is about incorporating the old and making something new. And it's sort of like we said about the movie itself, right? It's 
it, she does things I have never seen before a character like this do in one of these movies, but she also has those traits that I love about characters yeah. in movies like this. And in this, in these particular movies, she's a couple of the characters we love sort of yes. mashed together, absolutely. which is yes. really special. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she's just... I. I I wanted to leave the store and go, you know, buy the Ray Funko Pop and, you know, because I just loved her character so much in it. And there's some, she has the most sort of hell yeah moments, I think, in in the movie. Um, And, you know, it's her movie. Like, she is the lead of of the movie, uh, 100%. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, not in sort of, I'm going to say this person's name not to give anything away not in a plot yeah. she's like the luke of 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 yes. this new trilogy she it, is it's the, her point of view it's her point of view story um and so i'm i'm excited to see what that means for episode eight and episode nine uh and going forward whatever whatever else happens uh yeah I, it was such a, a well acted um movie that 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 goes a long way for me you know the, the performances are so good that even when stuff is not going on i'm enjoying watching what's happening um you know i will say that there is a lot of play on nostalgia in, in the in the movie and i think i think most of it works i think some of it is a little bit too you know i can on see like jj abrams yeah. finger pointing at the thing yeah. you know <laughs> uh, but i will take the amount of wins i got from the, that kind of perspective into the out of the you know the not wins and yeah. What I'll say about this is that I I was in the theater with a lot of kids, and every kid that I that I saw it with, except for one who was always terrified when Kylo Ren was on screen, <laughs> uh, absolutely loved it. We're talking about it while we were leaving. We're excited, um, and that's an awesome thing. You know, it, it, it's a great thing to see. And like you said, it's it's it, it's it's a generation spanning movie. I mean, it, it, there was like you said, there was. Old, there was old people, there was middle-aged people, there was, you know, there was, uh, you know, teenagers, there was, you know, little kids, everybody was there to see the movie, and it was just an experience that I never, I never really expected a few years ago that I would ever get to have again watching a Star Wars movie. Um, and again, I'm going to watch it again and see how it holds up over, over viewings. It's tough to, to place it. You know, for me, it's, after watching, I was like, you know, this is probably, watching it right now, probably my third favorite star wars movie uh, yeah i'd agree you know um and i think that it it has things that are better than and worse than new hope um it's because new hope is the first one so it sets the whole tone for right. everything it's a whole different set of of expectations made in a much different year it's 40 years ago yeah, nearly exactly yeah. so it's a much different thing um you know it's not empire yeah that but that's i wouldn't empire is one of my favorite movies of all time so i'm, yeah. I'm never expecting it hey, to be that not every bond movie can be goldfinger yeah exactly same idea. yeah but yeah now is it something you can say it's formulaic i've, I've heard that complaint already mm-hmm. about the force awakens yes as every movie that's an action movie has to have certain things very few is going to turn everything on their head mm-hmm. and be inception yeah be so completely loopy that mm-hmm. you say, I've never seen any of this ever before. Yeah. And and honestly, that's not I mean it's a fair criticism if that's what you that's what you want, but that's not what I ever expect out of a Star Wars yes. movie. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a solid a- adventure fantasy action movie, sort of in that order of importance, mm-hmm. you know, um, with characters that I love, with music that I love, with visuals that are exciting mm-hmm. and interesting and, and new and and something that is just awe-inspiring and makes me feel like a kid. That's what I'm looking for with Star Wars. I'm not looking for something that's going to challenge me 
in, in that sort of way. It's just not the movie for me personally that I'm that I'm looking forward to do that with. Um, I don't feel like you know the the originals pushed big budget filmmaking in 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 ways that had never been pushed before. But those movies are also not pushing those envelopes. They're not making you reevaluate your ideas. People, they're they're popcorn you know, fun entertainment that is supposed to be watched by a whole gaggle of people so they can talk about it and love it and and feel like they're seeing something grand and wonderful. And if you can add some depth to it, yeah, that your course. characters mean something yeah. to people because they're either well-crafted, mm-hmm. well-acted, a combination of both put in interesting settings that you walk away from, I like that character mm-hmm. and people now have for nearly 40 years. Yeah. Then you have that thing in, mm-hmm. in quotes and in capital letters that can take over a generation, more generations than ever. Thought process. That, look, it's Jedi's are an official religion in England. Yeah, <laughs> you know, movies don't do that unless they're special. Mm-hmm. Now, I we have a, a friend who's very. Uh, our friend David loves movies. Mm-hmm. Loves very special kinds of movies, and some things popcorn movies are beyond him. He can watch them, but he, he can't think about mm. analyze them. They're yeah. just no, they're just they're just what they are, mm-hmm. and they're manipulative and whatever. Mm-hmm. But even the greatest drama, the greatest melodrama, the greatest romance, whether it's Casablanca or whatever, is still going to have to manipulate your feelings in a certain way. Mm. You come at a movie like that viscerally, mm. and we have that here. Where it, it strikes you with that nostalgic chord, but also with the newness of where we went. And these characters are, are the new ones are every bit as important as the old in the structure of the story. More so, the old ones are mm-hmm. around and they're mentoring and doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, they're there. But you, you fall in love with these people the way we did all those years ago. Yeah. So you, now, here's that spot where... Everyone has new favorite characters, and they're old, and you blend them all together into an interesting new stew. So, yes, it's familiar. Yes, it's old-fashioned and beholden, but it isn't just a remake mm-hmm. or a recapitulation of those themes and ideas, as you say, the, the, the Joseph Campbell, mm-hmm. Hero's Myth, Hero's Journey. It's all there, but so is in every other picture. Yeah. But let, let's take those critiques that are they're valid, mm-hmm. but they're invalidly applied perhaps right uh and i mean and the next one is written and directed by ryan johnson who does weird things with movies so i think you might definitely see some departures okay what's he done uh brick okay um, brick was excellent yeah brothers bloom uh looper so yeah he's a very good filmmaker uh very interesting guy you know has a good head for sci-fi on his shoulders and obviously giant star wars fan as well but you know i think also there's a part of me too that says there's such as far as in the public eye such a a negative eye towards those prequels you kind of have to write the ship before you go you chart a new course right Mm -hmm. you have to say like we got it like we understand it you know, this is what it is. We, we we understand what makes Star Wars awesome. Here it is. It's not quite as different maybe as, you know, you, you would have wanted or expected. But here is something great that you'll be able to see and you'll be able to go, okay, if I watch four, five, and six, I can watch seven and feel like I'm watching something that's of the same piece. And then let's go mm-hmm. on from there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely a big recommendation. Go see it if you, if you have any interest at all. Uh, Disney does not disappoint in, in any sort of no. major way. Uh, so, for, we're going to do a quick little spoiler section. So let's, let's if you guys 
guys do not want to hear anything about Star Wars Force Awakens, uh, spoiler-wise, you should stop listening now. Um, if not, we're going to move on and we're going to talk Star Wars spoilers. Uh, so, yeah, so it's, it's one of those things, too, where it, one of the... It's always, always on this way that most of the spoiler talk is going to be a lot about stuff like that we have questions about or quibbles about because mm-hmm. it's stuff that you really want right. to get deep into, right? So, I mean, overall, I think that the state of the universe uh, isn't as well explained as as maybe it could have been. Um, you know, like I, I'm still sort of fuzzy on Republic First Order uh, resistance type of thing. The best I can kind of glean from dialogue in the movie and from the crawl is that, you know, the Republic is sort of a shaky government that sort of taken over after the empire sort of fell um you know and the first order is sort of the last remnants of the empire that's trying to kind of you know they're they're like sort of the insurgents or what what have you that want to feel like they still have claim to what what they what yeah. what was there and the resistance is sort of like it almost back to the term like the black ops of the republic right they're kind of like good way to put it we don't yeah. want to be seen funding or or paying for any sort of like ag- aggressive tactics because we want to, we don't want to be like the empire. We want to be all about diplomacy and all about, you know, doing it the right yep. way, but we know that empire is not going to play that way. So let's have the resistance who will fund, you know, do stuff for us so that we can, you know, st- still fight them, but still keep the, 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 mm-hmm. the say public. Yeah. Face. To me, I think the first order is sort of a dictatorship falls, but the, the cadre of generals mm-hmm. who run the yes. army are still hanging around it's like well, yeah. I, we can get back into power yeah it's not gonna take much yeah we have something the the rebels don't have we'll try that yeah absolutely and i think that's the way and i think that's all can be taken from context clues of the movie but i feel like it doesn't really explain itself no. particularly well and i don't think it would definitely would have had to if it didn't bring in that republic stuff near the end when they're and they're kind of working out the sky killer base and, and what it what yeah. it does um so I think that's a little problematic about about what uh, about what that is. Cause I just think it's unclear. I think that they could have uh, one or two lines could have very easily um, solved that f- f- yeah. for them. Uh, which was a little bit that was the one of the putting things for me. You know, uh, the the thing I would talk about about Ray before was that just she seems to know how to do things with the force. That like I understand her watching Kylo and learning sort of. You can you can get into somebody's mind. Well, when he's trying to interrogate her and she pushes it back yeah, at him. That moment is great. You know, there's questions to me like how she sort of knows to do sort of a Jedi mind trick. You know, you, you get the sense of her character that she's sort of an like a nerd for the history of, of the galaxy, mm-hmm. and so maybe she knows a, about that stuff. That's sort of what I thought while watching it, but that's not really made clear, right? Um and of course, I, I think the stuff where she grabs the lightsaber—that just—that's something she would have. Se- she saw, you know, Kylo do. She saw her move things with mm-hmm. his mind and do stuff like that and pull her towards him. So she's—it's interesting. He sort of kind of teaches her to do to do the things that she needs to do to beat mm-hmm. him in, yeah. in a lot of ways. Now, the, the, what happens eventually is we're into spoiler territory. Yeah, yeah, very into spoilers. Yeah, where it's obvious she is channeling the Force, mm-hmm. which is now back to being—it's all around us. Yeah, and we're into that older part of the universe that as someone who's in touch with that part of herself that she's able to access other things in a, in a, in a different way her technology is not much she is basically a flying tractor mm-hmm. so she's sort of a mechanic and that, that's yeah. all good but it turns out she's also this magnificent pilot mm-hmm. and where does that come from exactly well maybe she's so natural about using the force that she is now it's out there Mm -hmm. and that's now part of what she is 
And so that sort of presages where we eventually go with yeah. the plot, her character. So she really is the Luke mm-hmm. in that we pull through that. But then because of, of her ability to do so many other things, that again, she's the Leah part of it too. Mm-hmm. So that that's really fascinating. There's one point though later on where she, it, it's during that whole flashback sequence when she, she mm-hmm. touches the lightsaber yeah. and it's... She sort of she was left behind. Her family mm-hmm. left her behind. Well, who's her family exactly? Now, in the books, we, we I've had a lot of people giving me the expanded universe, mm-hmm. right? But it, it, well, it could be this, but yeah. maybe it's yeah. I have theories. I don't want to start throwing theories around. <laughs> I or should I? No, you can absolutely. Okay. I mean, I, I think that that's a very interesting scene, right? Because you, you don't hide who's letting her go if it's not somebody yes. big, right? You don't just do a hand. If it's going to be just, oh, some random person who, who let her go. So it's somebody that we know uh, or somebody that we should know or someone that, you know, name we know or something like that. Right. Yeah. So to me, well, actually, we should get into the other, what's the other half of this. We, yeah. we have it in Wren. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another quote. We're the Knights of the Wren. I, I didn't see any. No, we didn't see there's any. There's just yeah. one so far. Yeah. He's uh, was someone who was being trained to be a Jedi who's gone very bad. Yeah. And he was being trained by Luke. Yeah. And it turns out, okay, spoilers, people. Yeah. He's Han and Leia's son, yeah, who's gone bad and yeah. is now the, the yeah. He is the stand-in for Vader, but the connections now are so deep into all this. Is all three of our old favorites are yeah. now part of yes. who this kid is? And I love that. I don't want to, but I, yeah. uh, Kylo, I love that he's like a Darth Vader nerd. Yes, he has his helmet. Yeah, you know, yeah. like he like is obsessed with you know knowing anything about Darth Vader and being like Darth Vader. I mean, it's his grandfather, obviously, yeah. so it means something to him. But it's interesting he takes that part of his lineage to to do that with. Now, my feeling is I could be wrong, and it could change in between. If mm-hmm. people have enough other theories, they could change where they're going yeah. too. If if we all spoil it for them. I have the funny feeling that uh, Ray and Ren are brother and sister. I, you know, that's one of the theories I have too, but I. I feel like they're, the movie was sort of intonating that at times, so I have a feeling that it's not that because it okay. seems because you know because I think that's what it is. I have a feeling that's not what it is. It is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The weird thing, but there's like definitely some of the ways that Han sort of deals with her feels like that sometimes. Yep. You know, the sort of ending moment with with Ray and Leia yeah, feels like that. The the way that Kylo reacts at a certain point when they're like oh the girl on on jakku and he's like what girl and he, you know he like starts joking yeah. all those things sort of uh, intonate towards that right but I mean, it could be his niece but yeah, it, it, it seems more yes than that. it does seem more than that so that's it does it, she could be luke's daughter for for all yeah. we know you know a daughter that luke doesn't know about for for all we know or something the, like the, that the expanded universe has twins involved yeah i mean again they, they threw out the expanded universe so they're right so what they're using what they're not and i think part of the reason they did that was because they wanted this stuff to be a surprise right it's like i don't want to know that i could know who she is like i love the fact that i, do, I don't know who mm-hmm. she is and that and that i i have to guess and 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 theorize and, and try to figure it out as, as we go along you know, just stupid things like I, this is. I did this meta thing because I was like, "Well, she's she's an English accent." Like, there's not many characters who have English accents who are good guys. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, again, this could be. I'm I'm probably totally off, but you know, what if she's not descended from Luke or Leia? What if she's like Palpatine's granddaughter? Oh, you know, like that sort of thing because. I think it'd be an interesting dichotomy to have Kylo as someone who was pulled from the light to the dark, and her for someone who was like predisposed to be 
in the dark to the light, to the light you know. So, um, so th- that kind of stuff is very, very fascinating to me. Um, because I was like, well, the only only British person I can think of in the good guy set is Mon Motha, who's like the general, you know. But yeah. again, that's this me Obi- way Obi Wan. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's true, Obi Wan. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that's true, Obi Wan. That's true. Way overthinking it. Sorry, Bob. We have, we have Max von Sydow too. We do have Max yeah. von Sydow. Go ahead. Didn't know he was in the movie. Yeah. Uh, so that gets into as the relationships then as we're seeing them as opposed to figuring out what mm. they are. Yeah. We're not quite sure how she has these abilities, but. The movie itself explains it, I think, by telling you okay, she's in touch with the Force mm-hmm. and that. And so, yeah, she isn't the super capable person for no reason whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's explained within yeah. the contest, provided you're willing to extrapolate a little bit. Yes, exactly, it, yeah. I, I think the movie at times uh, does itself a disservice because it doesn't explain certain things. Or maybe it's just leaving things to not be explained. Maybe Ray was when she was a little girl had some sort of training that we don't know about, you know, mm-hmm. and she, I mean, she doesn't even really remember, you know, but right. we, we don't know. Um, the pilot stuff didn't bother me at all because I felt like you get the sense definitely that, I mean, she knows ships inside and out because she scraps them and, you know, they, they bring back sort of the, the scrapping she's doing on the, on the, you know, the Star, the Star Destroyer, Destroyer yep. and when she's able to fix certain things or break certain things and, and on the other ships that she's on. And, you know, you see her kind of with that X-Wing helmet on, you know, like sort of, doing maneuvers and, and trying yeah, to figure yeah. stuff out. So I, I think that I, I, I wasn't, I, that didn't bother me that she knew how to fly mm-hmm. the, the Falcon or anything. Cause you get a sense maybe she's flown low level ships before at other times. Yeah, her so. tractor, if nothing else. Yeah. I have more questions about, I always thought now, again, I think as you, the stormtroopers were all sort of clones of. Yes. Django Fett. There's a line about that though in the movie, because they're talking about what Finn is doing and how he goes away, goes away. And then I think it's, I think it's Hux. Um, so they're Hux. Oh, it's, or it's Hux or Ren. One of the two says, maybe we should have taken a clone army and the yes, other one right. gets upset yes. about it. So it's, they, they definitely, I, they definitely have a line in there to sort of, yeah, I think it's let, Hux. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're, he's floating around. There. Yeah. yeah. Let, yeah. let you know yep. that, um, that that's what's going on. Um, no, Hux is the, like sort of, um, the general, the, not the big, not the not the grand leader. He's yeah. the other guy. Yeah, he's like yeah. the I can't remember the guy's Moff, Tarkin, the, yes, like the Tarkin yes. of this movie or whatever. Um, the entire cast of Ex Machina is in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you know, the one character I think when he's on screen, he's he's fantastic. Who's Poe? He he gets the shortest shrift. Mm-hmm. I think he's kind of gone from the movie for about half of it. Uh, and you know, there's just. These movies always focus on right the sort of smuggler and the uh, and the and the Jedi and stuff like that. They don't really focus as much on the X-wing mm-hmm. pilots. But I feel like with Poe, we're gonna, that's going to change as we go along because he, you know, he he's such a great Oscar Isaac has such a great presence in the movie when he's there. I love that kind of opening beginning between the two of them, mm-hmm. him and Finn, and how that all shakes out. Yeah, and then but he vanishes. You didn't think you were going to see him again, mm-hmm. and I should have known better. <laughs> you wouldn't, you wouldn't have that guy there doing that, and then have him disappear. The opening sequence is pretty chilling. Yes, as we get to what Finn's doing. Mm-hmm. Though that was, it was pretty obvious when there was the stormtroopers standing there debating with himself. You could see him like he has qualms. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't want to shoot these innocent people. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, it happens quickly. Now we then see him with their leader. I want to talk about an underutilized character is yeah. Phasma, yeah. who seems really interesting, definitely challenging to leadership. I could think mm. somewhere down the road, someone who have her her own arc to, to mm. travel. 
doesn't get to do a heck of a whole lot. And I, I was disappointed in that. Yeah, I think I was disappointed about that too, but I, I tried to think about that in the terms of like, you know, expectations of like, you know, we, we saw her in the trailers and we saw, you know, Gwendolyn Christie, who's obviously a uh, Game of Thrones mm-hmm. actress who plays the part. They were talking about her a lot before it came out. And I feel like it was, that was something where I think the marketing really did the movie a disservice. Because if you just saw that movie and there was just like a random like Stormtrooper commander in it, and they didn't do a lot, you wouldn't yeah. even be thinking twice about it, right? You'd just be like, okay, like they just didn't do that much. Um, maybe they'll come back again in, in the future. Uh, so, But I do agree. Yeah, they, it's a very coolly designed character, and I wish they got to do m- more yeah. stuff in the movie. She surrendered quickly. She did surrender quickly. Yeah, and I didn't think she would have. But, well, you know, none of the Empire people are particularly brave. Yeah. Well, they're bad guys. <laughs> they're bad guys, yeah. But yeah. she seemed a little more better than the rest. And yeah. That, that didn't play itself out. Should we get to the big one? Um, which oh the the Han yeah yeah the Han of it all yes I will say really quickly I think that the 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 holdback and then the reveal of Snoke the the Grand Emperor the Grand yeah. that was a great I did not expect that at all I was like whoa I, I totally shocked to see it and I like how they yeah. played on the hologram thing because you didn't it didn't look like a hologram at all yeah and obviously you realize it's a hologram you think this is a, just a giant giant bad guy yeah. and then you see there's a hologram I thought it was a really cool thing and I liked that. Well, like I said about Kylo before, about him being sort of um, this different than Darth Vader thing, he's not quite great at what he's doing yet either. You know, he 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 he's he, he has obviously a lot of raw power, but he doesn't know how to control it great. He has a really shitty temper, um, mm-hmm. and he does a lot of stuff that, you know, gets is stupid. Like, you know, there's that moment in the forest with Ray where he captures her and he goes, leave the droid. We don't need her. We've got this person. And then he can't get out of her what he's supposed to get yes. out of her. And that never would have happened to Darth Vader, right? He would have gotten, he doesn't do anything unless he knows what he's going to get into. But Kyle thinks he's Darth Vader and he can do whatever, yeah, he can yeah. do all the stuff that he did, but he can't do it yet. And I thought that that was a really interesting way to give the character a level that he didn't normally, he wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. There's a little petulance to it too when he yeah. can't get what he wants, which yeah, is yeah. fun. And it's fun. And they, they they made good like good gags out of that stuff. Yeah. The the stormtroopers backing away when they see him freaking <laughs> yeah. out, I thought was a great moment. But he ends up that he has a lot of power, and I like that about that. He like you know, he stops that beam in in midair, and I've, you've never seen that no. in a Star Wars movie before. That was a really that was a really like whoa moment, you know. And and I liked that a lot about about what about the movie. Um. I will say too, but you mentioned Starkiller Base. One of my disappointments about the movie was that it had like basically another Death Star in it. It was a cool, it was a cool thing and a yeah. cool idea. Um, and uh, you know, but th- this always happens when you make things too big, right? Is that it loses the understandability and sense of urgency that you would get. The, Darth, the Death Star you knew it had to get into a certain position and then it could shoot a beam and blow up a planet. With this, they did a good thing with like, oh, when the sun goes dark, it means it's ready to fire. So you had a visual representation of what you're trying to do. Like, like you know, it's going to shoot these beams into the sky, and eventually they're going to hit this planet and destroy yeah. it. Just not as immediate or as kind of scary as mm-hmm. the, the Death Star. Right. And then when they're taking it apart, mm-hmm. turns into the same sort of we'll fly low and we'll go in. The, yeah. It's, yeah, I, yeah. Okay. It was yeah. done very well. Yeah. I did like the way he eventually did blow it up though because that was different when he was yeah. like spinning the X-Wing inside that one yeah. little room. I thought that was very cool. Um, 
And those all those all the flying sequences were great. I love the initial one where she's flying the Falcon and she kills the jets and it like flips over. Yes, she shoots and he yeah gets, because he the the guns have gone bad. They're only locked in one position, so you have to fly upside down and backwards. Yeah, yeah. which that was great. I love them flying through the. The, the 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 destroyed ship yeah. that was great um and you said the stuff on the ground going to the sky was great that that initial that fight on the planet with the where the bar is w- was was awesome um harrison ford getting around at 73 yes looking looking physical look, looking good looking in shape and I just, we didn't even mention him yet this is the first time i've seen harrison ford be harrison ford in a very very long time Amen. i can't even remember the last time there was like a light in his eyes when he was acting, you know, you know, he's, he's definitely not the worst thing about that new Indiana Jones movie, but he's still not, it's not there. He's still that kind of angry, all always grumpy guy. Yeah. And and in this, he's grumpy at times, but he's also funny and and he's got a lot of energy and he feels alive in in, in this movie. And I, I love that about it. And there's some great classic, Han Solo moments. I, I love the little aside he has with Chewie when they're on the plane. He's like, yeah. "Oh yeah, you're cold." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a garbage man. Yeah, yeah thanks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it really is a revelation. Mm-hmm. I, I've been, I don't want to say off of the Harrison Ford train for mm-hmm. a long time, but it seemed as if just you're saying never engaged enough. Mm-hmm. And some of that's what what is given to him. It's the same yeah, stuff over and over again. And he doesn't do that much anymore, right? He yeah. only does things every once in a while. So very, very good here, and he. For 73, he, again, not only in shape, but looked really good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly older, but not decrepit, not what you would have anticipated with so many years having passed. His character has a lot of fun things to do Mm -hmm. and one terrible thing to do. Yeah. Uh, So the death of Han Solo. Here we go. Uh, There was a point about 10 minutes before it happened that I knew it was going to happen. When they go back, they do, they do their job, yeah. and they're like, okay, let's go. And they realize they didn't do their job all the way. They have to go back. And there was a moment, they opened one of the doors, and I was like, oh my god, he's going to be the Obi-Wan of, of mm-hmm. this movie. He's going to die. And once he walked out onto the bridge, I was like, it's over. He's dead. There's no yeah. way. He's not you're leaving this thing alive. And... It was, it's a funny thing because it was, I think it was pulled off very, very well. Um, I, I bought it, you know, I, I thought that the struggle, I bought Kylo's struggle in, in, in a real way, you know, that he, I don't think he was ever going to go with Han, but I feel like he was struggling between whether or not to kill him mm-hmm. or to, to just go away, to move, to move on. There's that one moment where he seems like he's turning back into his son. Yeah. Just briefly yeah which is what makes it poignant yeah and the revelation of his name is great the fact yeah. his name is ben that was a great moment um and you know th- there's a good power in i think these sort of movies and, and harry potter does it in some ways too where you have a character who's taken a different name and, and their original name has a lot of power you know the person who says it has a lot of power mm-hmm. because they obviously are, are sort of looking through whatever this super powerful veneer that this person is putting on into like who they are really um but when it happened, it was such it was it was like it was like five year old Bobby through thirty two year old Bobby was crying. <laughs> That's yeah. what it was. You know, I I felt it was a real it was it was an insane thing to see a character like that go away. Um, a crazy moment. I you know I 
it's not even really i'm not even really criticizing the fact about the movie it's it's just a crazy cultural thing to see a character like that go away like that i kept thinking he wouldn't Mm -hmm. which made it worse when it did happen because you you, you, no, they can't do this no they Mm -hmm. can't it it means too much the series to to that character to us as the audience you're not going to take us there Mm -hmm. i found that very poignant very meaningful what what i have a, a quibble with right here is i don't think it advanced the plot much in the same in the way that obi-wan dies giving them time to get away mm-hmm. han dies to die yeah but i don't agree with that because i agree with you that the plot doesn't move forward but i think that the characters have a forward motion because up to that point be- and uh, when you see kylo alone there's a lot of struggle right with kylo internally about i feel the call of the light side mm-hmm. I, I maybe i maybe I, I i need to be good all this kind of stuff and i think killing han is a symbol of like i'm not i'm I, i'm never going back it's sort of like this I, I think he almost does it because then he knows he can never go back he can never yeah. go back to his mother now he can never go back to the you know the the rebellion he can never rehabilitate himself now that he's killed his father I, that's what i feel like that moment is for me it's a moment you're right it's not it doesn't advance the plot but i think i feel like it advances kylo's um arc uh, okay. it, it, as as a yeah. villain, you know, because I think it's sort of saying as well, this is not, this is not Darth Vader, you know, because I honestly I don't see redemption for Kylo at the at the end of all of this, you know. Well, that may come if that's his sister. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. So who knows where we're going there? I also really thought, and again, this is I don't want to review the movie that didn't get made mm-hmm. or the one that's in my head. You're really thinking that's the point for a rescue. And there's a line that, that Leia says about, we'll take a miracle mm-hmm. to do this. And you're sort of expecting that, to me, I was expecting that miracle to be Luke. Yeah, me too. That it would then, okay. Mm-hmm. See, we, sometimes, I don't want to say he was fridged, mm-hmm. but there, there's, okay, we need to we need to get rid of somebody. Mm-hmm. Now, that could have come from Harrison Ford. Yeah. I've, I've had enough yeah. and I want I want a good ending. Yeah. So give, give me that. Mm-hmm. But that good ending could have been reconciling with Leia and going <laughs> off somewhere and never seeing them again. Yeah. But as but, long as he's still alive, there's still a chance that they, they ask him to come back. Yeah. And that people will t- ask him to come back. Yeah. <laughs> but, and maybe he can decide. You yeah. know, Sean Connery said it never and then it was never <laughs> say never again because he did. Um, so th- there's that to it. Uh, the blowing up of I, I think that this is probably too meta blowing up the uh, Senate planet <laughs> the, the head of the government. Yeah. Uh, is that sort of we don't like those prequels, you know. In, in mm-hmm. Mr. I, I, I want to take a crap on what you did before and say, you know, what, that's done because we're not mentioning midichlorians. Is mm-hmm. that, am I pronouncing that? Correctly? Yeah, yeah, okay. right. we'll, we'll get rid of that to too. To be fair, Lucas didn't mention them after the first movie. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't want to deal with all that political intrigue. I'll have my own, and it's mm-hmm. more Shakespearean, the family, rather than the big picture of trade routes and right. whatever. So we'll get. I'll get rid of that. Yeah, and just blow the snot out of it the way I did Vulcan. Yeah, it, it's. I don't know. I don't know what yeah. that was, but that was one of the parts where I was talking about the state of the world stuff that I felt was that was sort of like the sort of hitchiest stuff of of of, of the movie yeah. for me. Um, were the were those few moments? Uh, I, I think it's a great cliffhanger to leave the movie off on. You know, it was it's so much the talk about finding Luke that when you finally see him, and Mark Hamill looks great. Looks like the yeah. best I've seen him look since he did probably Star Wars. Right. You know. Uh, that was a great moment for the reveal there. And, and I did like the little, the little hints, like 
you talked about training a bunch of young Jedi. So, like, I love the hints of like the world that existed in between the two. And I would love to know more about mm-hmm. what happened in between the two because that world seems sort of fascinating to me about about how it went in between. Um, you know, uh, I, I all those sort of moments like I, I really enjoyed. And I, I thought that the last light, the ending lightsaber battle was one of my favorite ones in any of the movies because it called back to the original trilogy because it's much more it's much rougher it's much you know less refined it's it's much more it's more desperate you know because this is ray is desperate you know ray has obviously shown herself to have a, a good force you know attenation but she's not she's not a wield a sword so it's a lot of just hard strikes and and, and just will trying to push it through and i thought that right side about was great i also loved that we got to see the finn character wielding the, the sword and sort of like what would a person who has absolutely no force yeah. attenuation really look like i mean we've seen like like han use it to like cut open a thing but like never someone try to fight with it yeah um and he does well for a while yeah. but he's completely overwhelmed eventually yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's only you can't fight somebody who knows how to use one yeah. you know but but uh i thought great and I will say the weird kind of unquantifiable thing. I loved the weight of all the objects in in it. The lightsaber felt like Kylo's lightsaber felt heavy. You know, it felt like he was wielding a sword. You know, it felt like the same thing with with uh, with Luke's yeah. lightsaber, which is a crazy cool thing because it's like the one from that fell out of his hand at, in Bespin. Yes, you know, which is it's a great kind of moment there. Um, and then you know the. Uh, the, the, the way the Millennium Falcon moved and the way the X-Wings moved and the way the TIE Fighters moved, they had this real weight and, and locomotion to them that they've never had before because they've always been either made of, you know, they were with were lesser computer effects or they were models, which right. had a weight but not that kind of weight. You know? There were moves that could not be done even with Go Motion. Yeah. They're now available here, but again, still the CGI is at such a high level that yeah. I don't know where they begin and yeah, end. Me neither. Me neither. Yeah, um, it was, and definitely the 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 biggest like nostalgia ping for me was seeing the Falcon for the first time. Yeah, especially the lines that preceded. Where yeah. I didn't see that coming. Me neither. Uh, me neither. Right yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we got to get to that one because this this quad jumper because that that's a garbage ship. We yeah, don't yeah, want yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's covered in a tarp. Yeah, yeah. So someone's pointed out, why did the the, the the guy she tries to keep selling stuff mm-hmm. to? Why did he sell the Falcon <laughs> since he owns it? That kind of be worth something, right? <laughs> Like, wow, that's that's a, like having a '57 Chevy under it's a true. tarp, and you yeah, let it sit there. My one last thing, my one Hanlin that I loved. Uh, I'll talk my way out of it. I always, I always do. do that. <laughs> and then Chewie yeah. does his little thing. Yeah. I do. I always, I always do. do. <laughs> yeah, that was Peter Mayhew was was great. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just I, I I can't wait to see it again. I I love I loved it again. I have quibbles like we've been talking yeah. about, but overall, it's a great movie experience, and everybody should check it out. And I think everybody should have a very Merry Christmas uh, and a Happy Holiday and, and a Happy New Year because we're not going to be able to say it before the, yes. the, the next shows. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, please, at Talking Comics on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, and podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. I'm at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Bob. I'm Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. Yes. Before we go, mm-hmm. we are going to say Merry Christmas, mm-hmm. Happy New Year, as Bobby just did. I want to say a special one. Uh, to our friend Sarah and Hugh, who did something amazing for me. And I'm not going to even say what that is. They know what they did. And, <laughs> and they did it together, which is interesting, uh, across the, the straits over there. <laughs> but what, what, what they did is what points out to me what all our community is about and what we do here and, and how it's impacted 
you folks out there and how that's come back to us. We do what we do here. We have a great time among ourselves, but that we have this community and it's composed of you fine folks out there who interact with each other and with us in a way that makes us all part of this really grand family. And in this time of year where sometimes not all of us have families, I just want to say thank you to everyone out there for what you bring to us too. Well, well said, Bob. Well said. Um, you have a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, boss. <laughs> have a very happy new year. Uh, look out for our best of 2015 shows. Those will be coming up very soon for you guys. Uh, but for Bob. Good evening. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Kwanzaa. Festivus. Holiday. You name it. <laughs> and I've been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. <laughs>